Today we're going we're to pick back up in our study of 1 John. I was away last week. Uh, we started this study in 1 John, uh, really a very timely study, a very relevant study uh, for us in 2018. And I, I think about, it's pretty amazing how God's Word always matches, always seems to be what we need and when we need it. Well, as we move into this study, I want to tell you it is a very relevant time uh, for us to enter into this study, a very, a very timely study for us to move into um, think about the context. It's been a week. So let, me, let me remind you of the context. Um, Jesus at this point is an older, or not Jesus, John. The Apostle John is an older man now. Uh, it has been many years. It's been some years since the days that he walked with Christ. Uh, it's been some time, some time has passed by since he, he saw Christ crucified since he was witness to the resurrected Christ. And I don't know if you can really in, in just understand what that must be to see Christ, to see him crucified, but then also to see him resurrected. Uh, what, a, what a powerful thing that is. And, and, and since those days, many years have gone by. Well, uh, at the point that he writes this letter, uh, he now sees a threat or a danger approaching or creeping up on the church. Now, I think that's a, a pretty interesting thing. Here he is as an older man now, having seen what he'd seen and heard what he'd heard, but now he sees this danger as it begins to creep up on the church, and so he writes this letter. Now, the threat was really uh, the adding in of pieces of other religions to the truth of Christianity. He saw the Savior. He saw him crucified. He knew the gospel. He saw him living again, resurrected. Well, now he starts to see pieces of other religions, other belief sets, as they start to enter into the truths of Christianity. And the, the beliefs and the practices of the pagan religions around and the thoughts of men that were around were now starting to be accepted as Christian truth. Um, there is, and we have a word for that, it's called inclusivism. Uh, well, your belief's okay, and I don't want to upset you, and so, you know what, I can take part of that belief set too, and they, they may believe this, and so I'll take some of their belief set as well, and they're including all of these beliefs in what we hold as biblical Christianity, this desire to accept these other belief sets. Now, it was seen as a good thing. How, how good it is that we're not just saying there's just this way, but we can also take some things from your belief set and some things that are going to include you and some things from your belief set. So it was seen as a good thing and really an intelligent thing to take all of these beliefs and to add them into what they held as Christian truth. Now I want you to think about that for just a second. Isn't that exactly what's happening today in 2018? Isn't that exactly what's happening today in the name of tolerance? And I, I'll just tell you, in my lifetime, and really the last 20 years, the last 10 years, the last five years, there is a growing goal that the, the greatest thing that we can do as humans is not to offend somebody. And, and whatever it is, our, our greatest goal is not to offend anybody. And so our goal is not to say that there is a right and there is a wrong and right is always right, and wrong is always wrong. But in the name of tolerance today, we're in the same spot. Now take that to our Christian belief set. Today people would say, well, in the, in the interest of not uh, offending somebody, there's not just one gospel. 
We can't put God in that box. There's not just one gospel. Maybe there's several forms of a gospel. Maybe there's several different gospels. And in the attempt to not offend anybody, we've watered down the gospel. Carry it a little bit further. People talk about Jesus. We, 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 we love Jesus. And in an attempt to not, to not offend anybody, we're willing to accept anybody's view of Jesus. You see, the, the Muslims, they have a, a view of Jesus. Well, we can't talk about that. Who are we to judge that? The Mormons, the cult, they have a different view of Jesus. And, and they use our words, and they're talking about our Jesus. Well, not to offend them, we start to embrace that as well. And there is this bleeding in, this creeping in of other false ideologies when it comes to biblical Christianity. Let me just tell you, today we are in the exact same spot. And then let me say this on top of that. And with Jesus coming again very soon, you see, Jesus is coming again very soon. With Jesus coming again very soon, it's even more dangerous, I believe. You see, you see, the old apostle John says, I see what's, what's happening here in the church and they're beginning to, to water down the truth of what we hold as Christians and it's a dangerous thing. And so he writes the letters. I wanna tell you, I believe it's more dangerous today. It's a bigger threat today because very soon Jesus is gonna come again. It is even more dire today that we would be found standing in the truth. It is more dire today that we'd be found standing in the truth. In the truth. Well, today we're going to see in light of this caving in, and that's what was happening then, and that's for sure what's happening now, in light of this watering down of the biblical truth, of the truth of the gospel, and that's what was happening then, that's what's happening now, in light of this push to compromise, and that's for sure what's happening to us now, in light of those things today, we're going to see in our verses the centrality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's an awesome thing. We're gonna see the central place that holds the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now listen to me as we, as we begin today. As Christians, we are to hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we're, we're gonna get concerned about this and we're gonna get concerned about social justice and we're gonna get, no, as Christians, we are to hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. More than that, as Christians, we're to hold up the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what if that offends somebody? What if somebody doesn't like that? It doesn't matter. Listen, as Christians, we're to hold on to the gospel. We're to hold up the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just tell you, before we can take a stand against the faults, we have to be sure of what the truth is. And I, I come in here sometimes and talk about, you know what, these false teachers and these false prophets and these false things are leading us astray, and it's easy to get up in arms about the faults, but before you can get too upset about the faults, you need to be sure of the truth. And that carries us back to the place again. So as Christians, we are to be a gospel pre-people. We're to be a gospel people. That's really how we ought to evaluate things according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When somebody says, well, what, what kind of church do you have? What kind of church are you belonging to? What kind of church are you leading? We ought to say, you know what? It's a gospel church. We uphold the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hold up the gospel of Jesus Christ. If people come and say, well, what kind of, what kind of things do you have at your church? 
What kind of programs do you have at your church? What do you have for our kids and, and for our people here at the church? Listen, it ought to be a gospel-focused church. You know what? We're not going to have anything if the focus isn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, there's a, a goofy idea that you can have a, a different purpose in your church. And I, I heard about it. I've talked about it before. A church out in Lubbock that actually surveyed the community. Tell us what our purpose ought to be. Tell us what you need from us in the church. And they, they mailed out this survey. Tell us what you need from us and we'll try to meet your need. You know what the purpose of the church is? It's to hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to hold up the gospel of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we are a gospel people. In our verses today, John starts with the gospel. And I think about that. That makes sense. You know what? He's going to talk about the issue going on. But you know what? The starting place is the gospel. The starting place is the truth. If we're going to get upset about what's false, we have to be sure of the truth. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. He's going to start with the gospel. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Let me read these verses, and then we'll come back and look at them. This is the message that we heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now let's look at that piece by piece and see the picture of the gospel as it develops. Verse 5 again. This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you. That's how the verse starts. This is the message that we have heard from him and that we announce to you. Now, the first thing to understand is this. Now, be very careful. Listen. The message comes from God. This is the message that we heard from him. It's talking about God. The message comes from God. Now, we, we need to grab a hold of that. The message comes from God. It's not man's message that matters. You see, we live in an age where man's message is the thing that's, that's heralded and put up. It's not man's ideas that matter. Not, not at all. That is where the issue is beginning. That's where the problem is beginning. Be sure, listen to me, be sure men can say and they can devise and they can think of some pretty profound things. But what we need is to hear from God. You see, that's when you start to go astray. Men can say some pretty wise things, and they can say some, some things that might, that might draw us in and say, man, that sounds like a good thing, and that, that sounds like a good thing for us to be involved in, or, or whatever that is. But I want to tell you what we need is not the, the message from man. We need the message from God. We hear from God today in his word. The problem begins when we begin to elevate the words of a man or any men instead of the word of God. 
It starts off and it says the place to start here is hearing from God. This is the message from him that we have heard and now we announce. Now listen to the rest of the verse. This is the message we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now the starting place of the gospel is this. If you were to say, well, tell me the gospel. Tell me the good news of Jesus Christ. The starting place of the gospel is God. The starting place of the gospel is God. And so he starts here. This is the message we've heard from God, the message that we announce to you, and the starting place is God. John says this, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He starts with a picture of God. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, what that means is God is righteous. God is perfect. There is no shade. There's no hint of sin with God. God is is holy. God is pristine in his holiness. He says here, God is pure as light. That is our God. And so if you're going to start talking about the gospel, the starting place is God. He's perfect. He's holy. There is no darkness, not a hint of it in him. The starting place is God. Verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now see this. If we are in sin... If we are walking in sin, and you're going to hear this word walking throughout this, it means the pattern of your life, the course of your life, the steps of your life. If you're walking in sin, if you're living in sin, if you found a way to excuse your sin and to keep existing in sin, if we say that we're in a right relationship with God, you're lying. That's what the Bible says. If you are existing, walking in sin, and you say you have a right relationship with God, you're lying. Now, the first thing to understand is this. If you've not been saved, and I think that's a, a, just a simple word. We talk about being saved. Some folks have lost the idea of being saved. If you've not been saved, if you've not been forgiven by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, understand you are not in fellowship with God. In fact, the Bible says you are an enemy of God. So that's the first thing. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never told him he's your Lord and you profess with your mouth what you believe in your heart and you've never trusted in him for your salvation, you're not neutral. You're an enemy of God. But also, listen to what it says here. If you are saved, the result is you can't walk in sin. You can't live in sin. You can't dwell out the course of your days in sin. Now understand this, the gospel is not only an eternity issue, it is also a life issue. And the gospel not only changes the state of our eternity when we're saved, it changes the course of our lives now. We've made the idea that, you know what, I'm saved, and so I got my library card, or I'm saved, and somebody signed off on my paperwork. And that's all I've got to worry about. No, listen to me. The gospel is, yes, an an eternity issue, but it's also a life issue. And it changes the desires of our heart and changes the course of our lives. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 7. Walking in Christ, the course of your life being in Christ, you have fellowship with him. Now what that means is when we, when we walk in Christ, when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. It says, because of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from our sin. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have fellowship with God and we're able to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. Again, it's the same picture. It is an eternity issue, but it's also a life issue. The gospel changes how we live. Now, I'm going to keep going. We'll come back to this in a second. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, here's the truth. Most of us won't say it, but a lot of, a lot of people insinuate it. There are some people who act like they have no sin. Now, they'll admit, man, I've got some flaws and I do some stuff wrong. And they'll, they'll admit to that. But you know what? I'm for sure not as bad as somebody else, not that table back there. For sure, I'm not as bad as those folks. And, and you know what? I'm not, so, I'm not so bad that God wouldn't exclude me from fellowship with him. And, and I think he wants, he wants me to be in fellowship with him. And he can overlook this sin. If we're not walking with Christ, if we're in our sin, we're in a broken relationship with God. Some people want to fool people. Some folks have tried to fool themselves. But the truth is we are Sinners, Listen to verse 8 again. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now I'm, I'm going to jump ahead and read verse 10. We'll come back to verse 9. Verse 10 says this. If we say that we have not sinned, notice there's a whole section here on sin. He's hammering that down. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now understand this. God's standard is revealed to us in his word. His word, the standard of his word, the plumb line of his word confirms that we are sinners. Now you might be able to go somewhere and put your head in the clouds and, and maybe stare off into the stars and act like you're not a sinner. But if you examine yourself according to the truth of God's word, God's word confirms you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. What does the Bible say? No one is righteous, no, not one. That's what the Bible says. Our, our best deeds are but filthy rags. Man, I thought I'd done some pretty good stuff. The best thing you can offer to a holy God are like filthy rags in his sight. What does the Bible say? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what? If we say we haven't sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. And then now verse 9, and this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you haven't figured it out, we have a sin problem. We have a big sin problem. Here's the good news of the gospel, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, to release us, to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's a crazy picture. To be forgiven, to be released 
from the dead of your sin to be cleaned from the unrighteousness of your sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now I want you to see the picture very quickly here today. God is light. He's perfect. He's never sinned. He can't entertain sin. He's holy. He's pristine. It starts with God. The second picture here is we're sinners. You've sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. Some of us would, would, would blush and probably crawl under our table if our sins were, were listed for some folks to see. We've all sinned. All of us have sinned against the holy God. Because of those truths, he's holy. We're sinners. There is a huge problem. And that problem is this. We have no fellowship with God. We have no fellowship with God in our sin. Sin is our problem. In sin, our choice to sin, we've broken our fellowship with God. In sin, we are doomed. In sin, there is no hope. In fact, all hope is lost. As you exist in your sin, you're not going to find any hope. But here's the good news. God loves us. He loves us so much, he makes an answer. He makes a remedy for sin. You see that? We couldn't fix the problem. We couldn't take the rule book and live by it enough to impress him. We couldn't become religious enough to change our status. We had a problem with sin and it was not fixable on our behalf. But God loves us so much, he sends Jesus. And I start to understand this and at the same time I can't fathom this. Philippians chapter 2 says, He is the King, the Prince of glory. He needed not one thing and he humbled himself and became a man. He didn't need to humble himself and become a man. He comes as a man, and not only does he become as a man, he becomes as a, a bond servant. And he humbles himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's what, that's what the Bible says. He lives his life, he never sins, and having never sinned, he goes and he humbles himself to death on the cross. The most vile, most embarrassing way to die. He takes the pain and the punishment of sin that was due of us, the wrath of God towards sin, and it's poured out upon him. He's whipped across his back, he's beaten beyond recognition, he's nailed to a cross, and as the sacrificial lamb of God, his blood runs out. Do you see the picture as we go through the verses? By his blood, we become cleansed. And it says if we confess our sins, means agree with God about our sins. If we confess our sins, not, not some work, not some religious duty, not some way to impress God. If we say, God, you know what? I am a sinner and I hate my sin because you hate my sin and I understand you're holy and you're pristine and you're pure and I just confess to you I'm a sinner. If we confess our sins, verse seven says, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sins. Now, I don't know how you've lived in the past. I don't know what your sin looks like, but I wanna tell you, there is no value you can put on the blood of Jesus Christ washing away my sins. That's the picture here. Verse nine says, when we confess our sins, we are forgiven. He doesn't have a checklist somewhere else. I'm gonna come back to it later. We are forgiven. We are made righteous. Listen, I'm not righteous. He gives me the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. I become his righteousness in, in confession and, and professing Jesus as my Lord. I am restored. The relationship is repaired and the problem is remedied. And then, not only does the gospel save us, it also propels our life. We walk then in the gospel. 
we walk where we used to walk in darkness, we now walk in the light. Where we used to walk with the cloud of condemnation over our head, we walk in forgiveness. John says this. I think it's pretty awesome. John says, here's the truth of the gospel. But as he starts to talk to a church that's thinking about taking on some other beliefs, about watering down the truth of the gospel, about including some things that aren't biblically true, John says, you know what? This is the truth. John says, this is what matters. John says, this is the message that came from God. And because it came from God, we announce it to you. He echoes what his brother Paul said, his his fellow apostle Paul says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. He's saying, this is the truth. This is what matters. That is why we hold on to the gospel and we hold up the gospel. Man, we're about to be done. Listen to me. This is still the truth. This is still our hope. That's why we can't distort it. That's why we can't let somebody dilute it. That's why we can't say, well, in public opinion and not to to hurt somebody's feelings, we're gonna sell it out. This is still the hope. This is still the truth. And we still embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we better be a gospel-centered people. Hour and a half ago, I preached my aunt's funeral. 83 years old. Great Christian lady. Married to my uncle for 60 years. He wanted to watch the grave. The casket was lowered. And we stood there with with an 83-year-old man watching his bride of 60 years, her corpse, go down the grave. And you sit there and you get a belly full of that. You see hearts that are broken You see goodbyes that should never be said. You see the result of sin. And then maybe clearer than ever, you understand, you know what? The gospel is good news. The gospel still stands. There is life eternal in the good news of Jesus Christ. Brothers, we're not selling out. We are not selling out. The gospel is still good news. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll leave you some word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Glad you were here today. Give Randy a hug on the way out. Tell him you're going to miss him. Many Father, we come. We're thankful for you. I'm thankful for the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the redemption of my sin, the forgiveness of my sorry, sinful record. I'm thankful that not of any work of my own, but in the grace of God, by faith in Jesus I have a home that's prepared to the cross of Calvary. I I pray for us in this room. I pray that we'll be gospel-centered. I pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would shape every part of our life. I pray for some here that haven't received the gospel, that they might be saved today in the hearing of your word. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here today.